Welcome to the Creator Spotlight, the interview portion of the Spotlight here at Fightful. I am Steven Jensen, as always, with Jeremy Lambert. And today, our guest is a world chess boxing champion. He was a part of the Ludwig chess boxing event that recently happened. Massive success on YouTube. Part of uh, Love is Blind on, on Netflix. Um, founder of Brawl for the Cause. A man of, of many... Uh, many trades um, and, and many accolades and the guy we're very happy to have on the show Matt Thomas thank you for joining us how are you today what's up guys yeah, I'm doing doing okay how are you guys good good I I'm excited that you're joining joining us for a different reason than Jensen is Jensen's going to talk about chess boxing and everything which I'm excited to learn more about I'm going to talk about love is blind because that is one of my <laughs> favorite reality shows but Jensen I'll let you lead off okay well I mean I don't know where to start exactly because you know what? The first the first question I had for you, I'm just gonna knock it out right off the bat because um I don't want to forget to, and it's like running the kind of the top of my mind. You were a part of one of my favorite influencer boxing events, like traditional boxing events. Um, I was a big fan of the Aaron Carter Lamar Odom card. I don't think that got enough credit for like what that was. Um, I think Aaron Carter deserved a lot more credit for taking that fight against the guy who was so much larger than he was former NBA player and all that stuff. Um, you know, Aaron Carter recently passed away. We talked about it a little bit on our show here. Um, what was it like kind of just like being a part of that event? Because that was such like, it was such a freak show type of event, but like you went out there and killed it. I think you were the best boxer on the whole card for what it's worth. Oh, that, that means a lot. Yeah, it, you know, that uh, that whole celebrity boxing circuit is is a little bit of a circus in a good way. You know, it's, it's entertaining. It's supposed to be. And um and yeah, the, the way I got on the card was kind of by happenstance. I, I trained out of Atlanta, Georgia in a gym called Decatur Boxing Gym, headed up by Xavier Biggs. And Xavier uh, was slotted to coach Lamar Odom for this fight. So uh, he was looking for sparring partners. And uh, I'm, I'm a little bigger than Aaron, but, uh, but you know, I, I have more experience. And uh, I, I started sparring with Lamar to start getting him ready. And then they found out I was on Love is Blind and found out about Brawl for a Cause and and said, do I want a spot on the undercard? I said, absolutely. So, uh, you know, it, it was it was not uh, something I sought out. It's something that kind of just happened because I was at the gym one day and uh, it was a really fun show to be a part of. It's the only time I ever, I, I've ever fought in Atlantic City. Uh, it was a sold out crowd. And and like you said, I, I don't think that main event got as much credit as it should have, especially... That first round, Aaron looked great. He kind of stunned Lamar. And, uh, and I was like, no way. Is this going to be like a David and Goliath kind of thing where uh, Aaron's actually going to pull this off? But, uh, but of course, you know, L Lamar is, uh, is a freak athlete and uh, was almost like twice the size of Aaron. So it, it ended how everyone thought it would. <laughs> well, so I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, I didn't want to like – so I think you're being very honest about all of that also because I know you were in Lamar Adams' corner during that fight as well. And Aaron Carter, I've said it before and I'll say it again, no headgear and or smaller gloves. That's a different looking fight. Like he, he didn't answer like the first probably 10 shots that Aaron threw at him. And I was like, wow, this is actually, I can't believe this is happening right now. And then, you know, not too much longer, you know, he's doing like the airplane spins and just kind of like, you know, the size, but it was just too much. But I thought it was just really cool. You're a part of that event because that was just a whole kind of, um, I've heard on like the back end and I don't, you don't need to get into it, but I've heard like, I heard Aaron Carter talking about um, the experience with Triller and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know um, how, you know, I, like you said, it's a, a lot of it's a circus, but like I did enjoy it as a spectator just for what it's worth. So. 
Yeah, no, it's it's fun. They they put on entertaining shows, and uh, and and yeah, I, I mean, I I think um, because the gloves were twenty three ounce, and and you know the headgear is you know just about as much coverage as you could get. It's very difficult to get injured in that kind of fight, which is why I I went to the body. You know, the the, it, the my fight in that uh, in that I I got a liver shot. Is it was probably I think it's the fastest TKO I've I've gotten. So I I, I think if you don't go to the body, you just you're, you're kind of just you know playing sock and boppers with each other. Like it's not you aren't doing that much damage. Um, if, if I remember correctly, you landed like a few solid combos and then the body shot and then like a really nice. It was either like an overhand right or a right hook. I remember and just just clean that dude's clock. Yeah, it, I, I slipped one of his overhand rights and 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 took a you know I, I landed a left hook to the body and and I it, it caught him um, I, I think on the liver uh, and and you know there, there's that delayed reaction when when you get hit in the liver it doesn't hurt immediately but then like your body's like uh oh and uh, and the second shot was just a straight cross and I didn't I didn't turn my hip all the way I didn't put my full force into it but it was wide open so I just. I, I caught him on the chin and I think that was just like the timber kind of moment. Like he was already hurting from the liver and then that just kind of like pushed him over. Um, and he had kind of a dramatic little like thing on the ground and the ref called it there. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. Talk to me about chess boxing because you are a chess boxing world champion. And for those who don't know what chess boxing is, it is, I guess, exactly what it sounds like. You do a round of chess and then a round of boxing and you have to be good at both of this because you could obviously lose the the chess game before you even get to the boxing. I've watched uh, some of the highlights, and you're beating people at chess, and you're beating people at boxing. Like how how does this come about? Like who who even thinks of chess boxing? And then how do you get into something like this? Yeah, so I, I guess a couple things to unpack. So first, the the rules. It's it's the board game chess, the combat sport boxing, and you're alternating rounds between the two until there's checkmate or knockout, whichever comes first. So you're never doing both at the same time. So a lot of people kind of joke like, oh, you take a piece, you, you know, then you, you get a, you know, cold cock them in the chin or something. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's the first round is on the chessboard. Right. You, you play it, our, our format last or two Sundays ago was two minutes of speed chess. So we're making moves. We're hitting our timers. There's an aggregate of two minutes between us when that hits zero, for those two minutes, they pause the the game timer. They they pause the game. They take the board out of the ring, and then uh, you have one minute to put on your gloves, psych yourself up, get ready to box. And as soon as the bell rings, we're boxing for two minutes. So we're going back and forth. Our heart rate's getting up. Our adrenaline's getting up. Let's say no one knocks each other out. Uh, when that bell rings, you go back to your corner, take off your gloves, come back to the board, pick up the game where you left off, and and like that until time runs out until checkmate or until knockout or technical knockout. And, uh, and the, the TKOs work kind of the same way as amateur boxing. And I usually don't go into this when, when, when I'm talking to uh, you know, most people or, or interviewers or whatever, but because it's like a fight audience, then, you know, we, we can sure. talk about the stoppages. So yeah. um, the, the TKOs work the, the same as amateur boxing where there's three stoppages in a round counts as TKO or four stoppages in a whole match. So it, it typically ends like that more than like an actual knockout. Pretty, as you know, pretty hard to knock someone out. But uh, you can't overwhelm someone enough times or, or get enough momentum going in your, in your direction to, to earn those stoppages. 
how how much does the like i'm trying to think of the best way to ask this question how much do you does one affect the other like once you get a few rounds in like is your chest like significantly more difficult like mentally because like physically you're like recovering from the boxing like does it make that does it make both like you know what i you know what i mean is like mentally and physically exhausting both ways or really one affects the other throughout the whole process yeah you know it it's um you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of what the actual battle is. So a lot of people, when they hear chess boxing, it's like, Oh, you know, get as good as you can at chess, as good as you can at boxing. But really when it, what, what you want to optimize for is state change management. Um, because the, the parts of your brain that you use for chess and the parts of your brain that you use for boxing work against each other. So what, what I mean by that is when you're in, when, when you're boxing, and you have a high adrenal state, your heart rate's really high, you're using the, the primal part of your brain, the part that evolved first, which is a very present part uh, of your brain. It's like, right now, I need to figure out what I need to do to fight, flee, or, or you know, if you can't figure that out, then you freeze. And that's how people get knocked out. So you, you got to be using that, like, in the moment, fight or flight kind of part of your brain. And when you play chess... You don't want to use that part of your brain at all. You want to use your prefrontal cortex, the, the front part of your brain, which focuses on, on pattern recognition, strategic thinking, and visualization. So that's the part of your brain that like, like makes plans five years in the future, like makes a business plan or, or, or whatever. Like it's, it's the part of your brain that, that has a, ha, you know, gotten us to evolve to this point. So um, the, the minute in between rounds turns into another battlefield. How well can you wrangle your, your heart rate and bring it down to signal to your central nervous system it's okay to exit fight or flight and dump adrenaline so that you can start to focus on the, the next round, which is chess. So you can start to assess your position on the board. You can start to think about candidate moves and you can make the, the best decision to start out. And, and the reason that's so important is the beginning of each round is when the, the match altering mistakes happen in both chess and boxing. So if you come out too cold in boxing, you get called up early, then momentum just is like against you for the rest of the round. And that's usually when people get knocked out or, or get stoppages. And then the, the inverse is true for chess. If you're still like huffing and puffing and think about getting hit last round and not, you know, focus on the board, you make one wrong move. It's easy to capitalize on that and get momentum going your way on, on, uh, on the chessboard too. So that state change management is super, super important. So how do you train for something like that, because obviously you train boxing, you train chess, you play a lot of chess games, do boxing stuff. But which, when you're talking about like the, the state change management, like that is the interesting part to me because you're right in that. And I've never done chess boxing, but you're right in that. Like that would seem to be the most difficult part is like, all right, I'm amped up. I'm ready to fight. Oh, wait, I got to come down. And now I got to like make moves on a chess board. Like, how do you train your brain to, to do that aside from, I just, I guess, doing chess boxing like rounds and stuff are there other ways to sort of train your brain for that is i guess what i'm asking absolutely yeah we call it priming and um and it, it really wasn't popularized popularized in the sport until 2018 which was the first year i, com I competed in the world championship and and what i focused on was using breath work from yoga in order to uh optimize for the next round in between rounds so, so for like, let's, let's say before a boxing round, uh, I would use a breath from yoga called Kabbalah Bhati or, or, or what's known 
in English is fire breath. And have you ever seen that like Wim Hof guy who like survives like super cold temperatures, can hold his breath a long time. He does a, a, a certain breath before he does all that. It's the same. It's derived from the same breath from yoga. So what it, what it does is it if it, it over oxygenates your your bloodstream and your brain, so you're getting way more air intake, and it compresses your abdomen so that it massages your organs, moves them around, and that helps you release adrenaline. Because usually when, when you do that in nature, when you're, when you're like, your organs are getting rearranged, usually you're in some sort of activity or in danger. So when you do that kind of breath, you're, you're both helping yourself and tricking your, triggering yourself to get into that, that fight or flight state. And then I, I have an opposite kind of breath called Samavriti or box breathing is what it's called in like the special forces. It's what Navy SEALs use to calm themselves down when they're in the heat of battle so that they can make strategic decisions. And, and box breathing, the simplest form of it is just four, four count breaths. Inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, exhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds with empty. And, and what you can kind of, what, what I usually train people in is because it's really hard to hold your breath at empty, uh, especially when you're not used to it. What, what you want to do as a first step is just try to exhale longer than you inhale. So if I, if I take a sharp inhale for four seconds, then I want to try to exhale for longer than those four seconds. Try to get to five, six, seven, eight, nine seconds by the end of the transition round. And what that does is it's kind of like a biohack that signals to your central nervous system. It's okay to exit fight or flight, dump the adrenaline and calm the body down, which will help calm the brain. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. No. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely fascinating. The science that goes into that. Um. And, and boxing coaches have been doing that a long time. Like in between rounds, they'll, they'll cue, okay, slow, deep breaths. Make sure you're breathing in through your nose. Try to breathe out through your mouth. You're, like that, that slower, more controlled breath has been used in a variation for boxing. But, but because chest boxing is such a different animal, the same techniques can't be used. You have, you have anywhere between uh, four and five minutes of downtime in between boxing rounds, like that's enough time for your body to kind of get cold. So you, you need to be doing different things than when you usually only have a minute in between rounds and, and regular combat sports. Yeah. I, do you think the strategy changes or, or at all for um, like the beginning of the show was smash and, and boxing, which was very interesting. I didn't know that was going to be happening until I was watching the event. And I know there's been like controversy recently in the smash community and Nintendo with the tournaments and stuff. So, and I know Ludwig is very big in that community. I'm sure he's trying to help out and get, get you know, people talking about it. And, you know, the perfect example, getting that on the show. Um, 
what was it like seeing something like that? Cause I've never seen anything like that before. It was like a video game for a round and then boxing for a round. I know it's the same like general concept, but was that something new to you as well? Or is that something that's like a little more out there that we just don't know about? It was brand new. Yeah. I, and, and it was actually his first idea prior to hosting a, a chess boxing event like four years ago, he wanted to host a smash boxing event and, and pursuing the smash boxing event is what led him to chess boxing. So, uh, you know, it, it you know, lo- long story there, but, but that's the, that's the road that led to me getting involved with the event is, uh, they, they ended up having a really tough time sanctioning the, the combat sports. And, uh, and, and when I got involved, I, I initially just got involved to help coach, the participants on, on how to do the state change management, uh, how to do chess boxing specific exercises and drills and, and how to build training programs. Cause that's, you know, when I competed in the world championships, that's, that's what I got reps in. And, uh, and I could like pass off a lot of that, those training documents. But when, when I got more involved with the event, I, I kind of realized like, Oh, they're in danger of like not being able to host it. You know, when I when I talked to the head event planner, he he had never done a combat sport event. He had done huge events, like really talented event planner, but just hadn't hadn't had to like ensure an event like this before. Hadn't had to to go through athletic commissions or through USA Boxing to get it sanctioned, and uh, and that's where the the eleven years of of planning and promoting the brawl for a cause events really came in handy, because the the head of the California State Athletic Commission is the former head of the Georgia State Athletic Commission. So I already knew the guy. And, uh, and so they ended up engaging me, not just as a coach, but as a consultant to help plan the event. And then as a, you know, the last thing to come around was the commentary, uh, which, which was the part that I I was most excited about. (laughs) Well, that was my next question, actually. Like what, what was that whole experience? Like, I mean, being on commentary, being a part of the event, being so um, involved backstage and behind the scenes. And also, I mean, for people who, who are watching this show that might not know, uh, Ludwig is is a massively famous and popular streamer that like I mean they y'all had a concurrent viewership of like over half a million at points during this thing I want to say like it was it was unreal the amount of people that watched this live and I followed his journey from like Twitch to YouTube his his um his never-ending stream and stuff like that and like so it's been really cool seeing him and seeing it because people knock the influencer boxing and stuff. And I, and I get it. The, 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 the circus aspects that we've kind of touched on, but at the same time, like they're also just bringing eyes to stuff. Like people are watching, people are interested. And I feel like, Hey, what's to say that a YouTuber can't just throw events like this. If people are going to watch it. I mean, if, if professional boxers, some of these events, hardly anyone shows up, but these YouTubers can put, can put butts in seats and then get people to watch online. I mean, I think it's super impressive. So what was it like being a part of the event just in general for you on commentary and behind the scenes? Yeah, I'll definitely talk about the event, but I, I think it's important to to reiterate what you said about influencer boxing. Um, so this, this is something I've been passionate about since starting Brawl for a Cause in 2012, which which is, I, I get the purest argument of it. It dilutes the the quality of the sport but in reality, it doesn't affect the quality of the sport. There's still the top 1% that, that are going to fight in other events that are going to fight for pure fans that know what they're watching. But in order for the sport to be healthy and to, to thrive, you need hobbyists. You, you need casual viewers that are willing to buy a ticket or turn on a stream and, and watch and get involved as a hobby themselves. 
So, so kind of like first level viewer, just watch it and be entertained and watch a few ads. We need you next level buy a, buy some wraps and gloves and get into a gym, support boxing coaches, support USA boxing. If you want to try amateur boxing, so support that, that beginner level. And then inevitably there's going to be the filters and the working your way up the ladder to get to the top tier of the sport that are, are you know, I think where, where the heart of the argument against influencer boxing is coming from. And we have the same thing in chess boxing. In, in, in fact, the, the founder, the, Jer, Jeremy asked earlier, you know, who, who would have started something like this. The, the founder was a, an artist and a purist. He, his, his mission was to find the, the smartest, toughest man on the planet. And it, it was a, a noble quest and an interesting, you know, like tagline for articles, but it is not what would grow the sport uh, most uh, efficiently or effectively. Uh, what we saw two Sundays ago is. And, and, and so to segue back to what it was like being involved with this event, I caught some flack from our community for, for being involved. But, but what ended up kind of like bringing it full circle for them was they needed someone to write their rule set and get it approved. So I was able to write that rule set and then fly over four international officials from the, the World Chess Boxing Organization in order to officiate the event. So building that bridge between this, this you know, influencer, bunch of eyeballs, bunch, bunch of butts and seeds to like some sort of, of, of source of, of the, you know, the seed that started the sport, it, it, it fit the right balance, the right yin and yang of like what, what could be considered the actual sport and what would be entertaining for people to watch because, you know, these people, uh, you know, none of them had chess box before. And, and it's supposed to be like this big coming out party for the world or, or for our world. And, um, and you know, I, I think uh, I think two things happen. Two main things happen. First, we, we saw the very uh, upper level of chess competition and chess boxing on two Sundays ago. We had the highest ever chess player that, that had chess box compete as Grandmaster Amon Hamilton from chess bra competed. And, and, uh, and so that like set a new record for us where a grandmaster took on an international master and the grandmaster knocked out in the first boxing round, the international master. Awesome. That's like one side of the spectrum to, to see chess boxing expressed in that way. It was so cool. And then you see the other side of the spectrum where two of the biggest YouTubers in the gaming sphere, myth and Churdley's right. Had a combined rating that was lower than anyone else on the card. Right. So people who don't know, like they essentially didn't play chess. They were just letting it go through to get to the boxing rounds is essentially what that. And they made it entertaining. You know, they, right. they would put their finger <laughs> over a piece. They would be like cheering to like move that piece. They'd move it. They'd spend an extra like two minutes just like hyping up the crowd or like making faces at their opponent. And it was absurd. But that's that's part of the entertainment. That's part of like why they were on the card, why they have millions of followers, and why they brought a percentage of those followers to that event. Like that's you you need that just as much as you need the smaller streamer that has the highest chest rating that has ever been in our sport. So I mean, you mentioned the the entertainment aspect of it and the boxing influences and stuff. So we are a wrestling podcast, and I'm gonna bring in some wrestling here. Logan Paul, Jake Paul, big time influencers. 
who are now in professional Logan Paul, certainly into professional wrestling, main eventing major shows against Roman Reigns. Is there any wrestling influence from you doing all these, these boxing events, these chess boxing events? Like have you any interest in the, the pro wrestling world? I guess is what I'm asking. So the, the first conversation that we had about celebrity boxing where, where Aaron Carter fought Lamar Odom and I was on the undercard they are positioning themselves as the WWE for boxing. So they say our, it themselves. Yeah. They say themselves. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you, you know, if you take a look under the hood or peek behind the, the curtain, the, their sanction is the same kind of sanction that, the, that the WWE gets. So they don't have, they don't play by the same rules that pro boxing or even amateur boxing play by. They play by a, an entertainment set of rules, not a competitive combat sport set of rules. So I won't go too, too much into detail with that, but I, I think that um, at the end of the day, everyone's doing the same thing, which is entertainment. Any sport is, is really entertainment for, for everyone but the people on the field uh, or, or in the ring or whatever, it's entertainment. And, and for most of the people that engage in it, it's it's a livelihood. It's a job, and that that job is to to entertain, to sell tickets, to sell sponsorships, to sell ads, and and uh, and sometimes the the most elite version of competition is what sells those tickets or sponsorships or ads, and sometimes it's not the most elite kind of conversation competition, not the most exciting thing in the ring. Sometimes it's the most exciting thing out of the ring. Look at Floyd Mayweather, boring fighter, defensive grandmaster. But but look what he did outside the ring to compensate for that. He had a big mouth. He made people hate him. And, and I think that the Paul brothers do a brilliant job of the same thing, which is why Logan can skip a bunch of, of steps and go straight to Roman Reigns and why Jake Paul is taking over the pro boxing world. It's not even influencer boxing anymore. It's it's just boxing. He's He's in the same conversations getting – as as the goats, you know, in our in our generation, and he's getting honorary belts from the WBA, and you know, he's he's selling out, uh, you know, like sections of seats for Madison Square Garden. It, it's it's real, you know, it's it it's real because it's entertainment, not because of the, that they're the best to ever do it. Well, you know, I think we talk, I, I agree with all of that, and we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier too with like like kind of the hate that like just celebrity boxing gets and stuff like that and youtuber boxing influencer boxing and like i think that's jake paul is the most polarizing by far because i feel like everyone just doesn't know how to process it the purists are like no there's just no way he can be this good there's just no way just this is fake until he fights a real boxer it doesn't matter but then like people like me that are more on the fringe of boxing, but really into mixed martial arts, we're like, well, no, like beating Anderson Silva is legitimate. Beating Tyron Woodley is legitimate. Beating like, like beating these guys in boxing, if you're Jake Paul with the, the little experience he has, these are legitimate victories, to, you know? And so it's like, it's, it's so it's like, it, it's this weird thing where I feel like a lot of people want to see him fight a real boxer, but at the same time, doing what he's doing is drawing so well that like, why would he stop doing what he's doing, you know? I, I'm going to give a controversial opinion that, that your audience might hate, but Jake Paul is the best to ever do it. And and here's wow. how I'm going to support I love this. that. I love that. Here, here's how I'm <laughs> going to support that. 
he, the reason he's the best to ever do it is because when, when I was in professional boxing promotion, I, I took three fighters pro, uh, and, and the first 10 to 15 fights that all three of those fighters had were against nobodies against people that they never, ever should have been in the same ring as that, that people that are, are hired to get knocked out, not because it's like fixed beforehand, but because they need the money so bad and they're a career get in there and build someone else's record up. And, and it's the, it's a, it's a nasty shady part of our sport, but it's a part of our sport. And, and Jake Paul is not only not engaging in that nasty, dirty, shady part of our sport, he is making millions fighting big names that that maybe aren't boxers, but are certainly better than some drunk that they picked up outside of a bar that needs to pay their rent next month. And and the reason he's the best to ever do it is is if you take away where you where he came from, and if you take away like his stigma as this like problem child, YouTuber, Viner, whatever. And you just look at his age, his weight, his record, him training. If you look at him objectively, he's really good for how early in his career is. Yeah, I I completely agree. And even you look at someone at the top, the top, top, that all the like big promotions are betting on like Brian Garcia. Mm Mm-hmm. Even as recently as his last two fights, he's fighting people he has no business being in there with because they're trying to build them back up. And it's bullshit. No one no one watched those fights because <laughs> no one wants to watch those fights. Whereas, you know, Jake makes a makes a, a, a he sets a great example of how to still do the same thing, but do it in a way that helps the sport, that that sells tickets, that that uh, brings more people into viewership. And, uh, and and a way that gets him ready to actually take on real fighters, which I think I mean, we'll see very soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like for sure. I, I agree. I mean, and that's the thing. He's just in this weird space where it's like, you know, he's clearly good enough to beat high level MMA fighters, but he's also too famous to just like have fight like a no name guy and like risk it against a no name guy and all. And so, so like, it has to be like a bigger name in boxing. So like, but why would like, why would like, you know, um, you know, Triple G or somebody like that, or like Canelo, like, why would they want to fight Jake Paul? So he's in like this really weird space of like, he just found a really, a really good uh, niche. And on top of it, I completely agree with you, Matt. Like people call me like, you know, uh, you know, a, a, a Jake Pauler and like a low gang, you know, nut rider and stuff like that. Cause I like them in professional wrestling. I think they work really well in, in the context of pro wrestling. And I think Jake deserves a lot of credit. So I think that um, I really appreciate you saying this stuff because it makes me sound less crazy to our audience because I'm constantly talking about how impressed I am by Jake Paul. Yeah. And, and the best to ever do it. I'm not saying he's the best boxer of all time. Sure. Doing it is like the boxing game. He's playing the game of of professional boxing better than anyone ever has ever period. Like that. There isn't even a close second. I mean, you're, you're not wrong in that. Like, Yes, the first 10 fights, even like 20 fights of most boxers' careers, it's cans who, hey, let's build up. You're 20-0 against nobodies. Jake Paul is doing that, but he's not facing nobodies, and he's making millions on top of that, while most boxers who start off 10-0 and make thousands if they're, if they're lucky. 
Uh, so look, I, I, I can't even disagree when you put it like that. Uh, I, I don't mind the Jake Paul stuff. Bless them for, for getting that money. And Logan, uh, you know, we, we talk about him a lot on this podcast. He's transitioned to wrestling very, very well. Uh, I will ask you this, like any interest in, in professional wrestling from, from you, whether it be small scale, independent, or maybe even aiming a little bit higher. Com- competing in it. Competing, um, managing, a- anything. I, I Look, I'm open to it. I did the celebrity boxing thing. I'd do that again um it's 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 lower risk you know it's there's definitely still a risk Lo- logan just blew his acl and there's plenty you know i'm, I'm friends with diamond dallas page uh okay. who you know put himself back together with yoga which which is you know the uh, i have a big yoga background that's where i got the breasts from for chest boxing so you know I, like i i i get it and uh and i see the value in it and i would be open to something like that that being said i i think uh Aside from, you know, like, like excellent offers that are hard to refuse. I think I'm on the commentary promotion side of this business from here on out. Um, you know, I, 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 I competed in my sport, uh, which I feel like I was born for playing chess as a kid, doing martial arts as a kid, finding a sport that combined the two being the first person from my country to, to represent the, the U S in the world championship, ending up winning my, my weight category. I don't need to go on another journey like that. Like I, 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 you know, uh, I, I loved that, that journey and I kind of got it out of my system. And, um, and in terms of, of pro boxing, I kind of, you know, in my mid twenties, I had my shot at, at going into to full-time, uh, promotion and management for pro boxing. And, and one of the many reasons that I decided not to is what I just explained about the, the shadier side of that, that business. And it being extremely difficult to change from the inside, uh, which is why someone like Jake Paul is so important. Starting a fighters union, uh, shedding light on everyone else who's doing it the old shady way and when he's doing it a new, hard, better way. You know, I I just can't I can't compliment him enough, even though I hate complimenting him because he's (laughs) such an asshole, (laughs) but he's so good. (laughs) So. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's ob- objectively and it, it, empirically and, and just calling a, a spade a spade. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm in it for, uh, the longevity and the success of, of combat sports before anything else. And I think that influencer boxing, I think that professional wrestling, I think that chess boxing and hybrid sports that are kind of attention grabby and different and, and draw more people into it. I think all those things are on the right side of uh, the the fence that we need to be on in order to to progress this this sector. Um, I had a couple more questions before, and then I know Jeremy had a couple. Um, had some reality TV. Well, one on the reality TV stuff here in just a second. I um, just a couple questions that I, I didn't want to forget to ask you. Do you have a preference? Like, would you rather knock someone out or checkmate them? Um, yeah, that question can be answered a couple ways. The, the reason I love chess boxing so much is every matchup is so dynamic and different. You aren't playing the same game against any, any individual competitor. So it's, it's always a different game plan depending on who you're up against. So, you know, that the, the easy answer is it depends. Um, if, if I'm trying to actually answer your, your question, I'd rather checkmate. 
Um, it's less risky. There's less there, there there's, you know, you're probably not going to get injured checkmating someone. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there, there's more longevity on that side of the equation. So spending your time getting better at chess. Um, I think that there's, there's more dividends to be paid long-term. Uh, okay. that, that being said, it feels great and is much better for the highlight reel and a viral social media moment if you knock someone out. So, you know, if I'm answering from like that, you know, uh, fame or money kind of perspective, then I'd rather knock someone out. There you go. Uh, last question I've got is, um, has there been any, maybe this is already out there and I just don't know yet, but has there been any talks or anything you can tell us about, uh, like a sequel to the Ludwig chess boxing events? I'd imagine the first one was such a success that there'd be a follow-up to that. I know creator clash with iDubs, they're going to be doing another one this year. And that was another just huge YouTuber, massive success. So, I mean, it isn't this isolated thing. People like try to make it out to be, there's a lot of success going on all over the place with this stuff. IDubs I will keep going, and you're you're gonna see two of the fighters from Ludwig's event in the next Creator Clash, and they haven't awesome. announced it yet. But awesome. uh, but the, there will be some continuity between those two events. I love that. Um, and Andrea Botes is is going to be continuing her boxing journey uh, after chess boxing. So, um, and she's not one of the two that I just referenced in the next Creator Clash. So there's there's going to be momentum from this event in in multiple ways. Um, there is no official answer on if there will be a follow-up event to Mogul Chess Boxing Championship. Ludwig's thing is to do one big thing that's very different and grabs attention and move on to the next. And the only reason he's reconsidering putting one on again is because it took about $200,000 more than he expected in order to do the combat sport sanction insurance, try to explain to everyone what chess boxing was and why should they should come. And now there's enough name recognition for the sport where people know what they would be signing up for. Uh, they already have sponsors locked in. If they were to do another one, they could just re up because all those sponsors got great ROI on the most viewed live event on Facebook, uh, on, on YouTube ever, 316,000 concurrent live, and then, uh, you know, tens of millions of, of impressions. Um, and then, uh, and the, I mean, the last piece is <laughs> they, they have the business model now. Like they, they were, they were trying to build a plane after they had already jumped off the, you know, jumped off the cliff for this event. Now they already have, have a business model and an event model where they could actually make money on the next one. You know, they, they spent 1.5 on this one and, and this is just what they've said publicly. You know, I think they made about 1.3. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of that is as an investment into Ludwig's channel because he went up hundreds of thousands of subscribers because he decided not to pay-per-view and to, to broadcast it. And that's a worthwhile investment for him. Those, those the lifetime value of those new subscribers is way more than two hundred thousand dollars. Um, so that's how he can justify it. But uh, this is a long winded answer to say they don't know yet. Uh, no, but no, I, 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 love I that sure, I sure yeah. hope so. <laughs> no, no, I, I love, I love hearing the inner work. I'm fascinated by the whole Twitch, YouTube, just all, all that stuff is just fascinating to me. I've followed a lot of those streamers for a long time, so like seeing 
um, in more recent years, some of them like really getting these massive contracts to switch platforms and stuff like that. Ludwood being one of the, the massive names to do that himself. Um, it just, yeah, it's fascinating to hear you uh, to kind of peel the kind of the curtain back a little bit on that. I, I, I appreciate that. Sure. Yeah. I have a love is blind question because it's one of my favorite reality television shows. The wife and I watch it all the time. Fan, people who watch season one may not have even seen you because you weren't, weren't shown. Uh, there was a, a love triangle with, with you, Danielle and Rory. You've talked about <laughs> this in other interviews. So I'm not even going to ask about that because by all sound, by all, all accounts of stuff I've read about it, you guys navigated it well and handled it well and everything turned out well with you guys. What I want to know is when you sign up for a reality show like this, percentage-wise or just through your mind, are you expecting to really, truly find love? Because there's a lot of reality shows out there. Bachelor, everything out there, all these Too Hot to Handle is a big one that we love right now. Like, Do you really expect to go on there and be like, I'm going to find the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. Yeah, I'll give a little context. So um, like you said, I was a very small part of season one. Uh, my, my only discernible speaking is in the first 30 seconds of the show, my face pops up and tells you the premise of the show. <laughs> and so I, I, you know, when it came out at the beginning of COVID in 2020, I still had everyone from my past reach out because I'm, you know, I'm the first face that pops up, but then, you know, I, I go away because I don't get married on the show and, and you did your homework. Uh, so, you know, I, I did end up connecting with someone through the experiment. We ended up dating after the show, after the filming and we remained friends, albeit at a distance, but it's, uh, you know, it, overall it was a very positive experience for me. <clears throat> um, to answer your question, did I think it would be successful? Um, I I went on the show show for a couple of reasons before uh, the reason that I thought it might be successful. The first reason is we were planning on raising money to launch a reality TV show for Brawl for a Cause. And, and if you don't know what Brawl for a Cause is, it is first time fighters literally fighting for what they believe in. So they, they, they choose a charity that's close to their heart, that's affected them their family, a community that they're a part of. We train them for three months uh, under under the condition that they haven't done this before. They haven't had a fight before. So they learn how to defend themselves, how to throw a punch, uh, and, and how to represent their cause, how to personally brand themselves, how to fundraise, the, uh, all that. And, uh, and then everyone that contributes to their campaign gets to come out and watch them get punched in the face for what they believe in. And you don't sign up to get punched in the face unless you have a really good reason to. So uh, the, the stories that come out of our event are absolutely amazing, which is why we thought it would make for good reality TV. So while we were putting together the pitch for Brawl TV, uh, Netflix reaches out to cast me in reality TV. And I normally wouldn't be caught dead on a, on a dating <laughs> show. Uh, you know, I, I don't want that kind of attention. I don't want that kind of following. Sorry, love is blind fans. Um, <laughs> but you know, just seeing what happened to my friends like Barnett and Damien and all, all them, it's like, you know, they're getting weird, like death threats and feet picks yeah. and all kind, you know, we all kinds of weird shit that I don't, I don't have any interest in, but when they pitched the show, I was like, okay, there's utility in this. Cause from the inside, I can 
understand how how the production of of, of a high budget reality TV show works at, from a participant expect, perspective, which is valuable because if I'm going to ask my brawl for a cause fighters to to do a reality TV show, I I will have liked to to not just talk the talk but walk the walk and fight the fight and go through a reality TV show myself. And that's what I did before I, I started promoting the charity boxing events as I fought myself. So I made sure it was a good thing. And this would be the same kind of thing. Like, I'll, I'll go ahead and go through this. But when they pitched the show, it was pitched very different than it was portrayed on Netflix. The, the way that it was pitched was it was a PhD's uh, basically thesis that all of her work was in audiology or, or the effect of sound on the human brain. And so her, her experiment was can love occur without seeing the person that you're falling in love with? And she did studies with like complete strangers and and noting like the effect on brain waves between strangers' voices on each other. And then people that have been in love with each other for 80 years. And and the effect when they they would hear a stranger's voice or their, you know, their wife's voice and, and the effects on their brain that it would have. So I was like, holy shit, that's super cool. Like, you know, I I I, uh, th- this human experiment sounds like something I'd like to be a part of. And, and if it happens and it works amazing, like I found my wife in this super interesting, you know, u- unique, weird way. <laughs> um, and if it doesn't work out, then I still get the, the utility of it for, for brawl for a cause. So um, it was a win-win for me. Uh, no one on the show expected it to do what it did. Uh, you know, we, we thought it would be an, just another show that no one watched and it, it ended up being, uh, you know, number one in the U S uh, you know, top 10 globally, um, and, and absolutely blowing up the main characters on the show. Uh, so yeah, pretty, pretty crazy how that all happened. Legitimately one of my favorite reality television shows. I'm just a huge yeah. fan of like reality TV like that. And I love love as well. So I root for all of you guys when you're on there. Totally. I root for all of you guys to yeah. like be engaged, get married, live happily ever after. But then, you know, like I feel like 90% and that might be a low number just don't end up working out. And, and that saddens me. Um, but season one actually did well. There's actually people who still are together from season one. So you guys have really bucked the trend on that one. Yeah. Well, you know, season two, the two married couples have separated. Yeah. Um, truthfully, I haven't watched season three. But season one, Cameron and Lauren are still together. And, yeah. and love them. You know, they're, they're great. And, uh, and, and Barnett and Amber still together doing great. I, I interact with, with Barnett more than I interact with most of the cast. We, we had a co-stream. I, I just started because of Ludwig, I started streaming video games and fitness, uh, on Twitch and, uh, and Barnett also streamed. So we had a, a call of duty co-stream last week. Uh, season one is just absolutely fantastic. Barnett and, uh, Jessica and Amber, that whole thing just great reality television if you love kind of i will call it kind of trashy reality tv but i did when i was reading about the stuff and it, it sounded like you know this love triangle you had going on you weren't going to play into that and obviously that is where producers of reality tv are like well we're not going to really show a lot of this then because you're not giving us the drama we are searching for so i actually commend you if this is the case of like yeah we're just going to kind of be normal about this and not actually try to build things up here i do commend that if that's the case yeah i we we weren't dramatic enough we, you yeah know, they they thought the love <laughs> triangle was going to end in 
you know, they, they kind of profiled me as this like fighter. And, mm. and the other guy that fell in love with Danielle Rory is a competitive gamer. So two really competitive profiles, they thought we were going to go at each other. And, uh, and we, we were best friends and we decided to do what it was, whatever was in the best interest of the person that we fell in love with. And, uh, that was a, I thought a really good ending and example for the world and the whole thing, but they I don't care about didn't that. think so. so. <laughs> I don't care about that at all. Yeah. I appreciate, I appreciate the inside of that again, huge fan of the show. So that rules. Um, last question. We'll get you out of here. Coolest thing in your room. We ask everyone. Oh shit! Uh, yes. Okay. Um, yeah, if you can get it, yeah, you go get it. Yeah, yeah, if you can pick it up, need to go get it. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess the the world championships medals in here. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. It's a world champion in chess box. I mean, I got I got all kinds of stuff in this room. <laughs> I'm I'm like uh I'm I'm on my way to being a hoarder. I like <laughs> I like tokens. <laughs> You know, like like uh, mementos from stories and events, and um, I I already I always loved the idea. I, I hate that it's the antagonist from Harry Potter, but I love the idea of of Voldemort's uh, Horcruxes. Do you guys know mm. what I'm talking about? Yes. Why Where he like stored pieces of his soul yeah. in items. Mm. I feel like that's such a real thing that that <laughs> people do. Like you, you you have like the good luck charm. You have the trophy you have the whatever and I, i'm definitely i definitely subscribe to that um let's see what should i pull here uh, so much good stuff that it, so here's a chess box trophy oh. nice yeah that's so you, can see, you can see the the king in the middle yeah and then the two boxers on either side this was from the the first chess boxing world championship i went to in calcutta in 2018 <laughs> that's awesome um, sweet and and India Indians in general do their their accolades, they're like uh, their celebrations all the way. It's 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 like second to none. They uh, they go all out for their ceremonies, for their celebrations, for their their trophies. So all the stuff I've gotten from the Indian events are are super cool. <laughs> that, is, that is awesome. That is yeah, that's Actually, fantastic. I'll get the other one too, so you can see what okay. I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we want to see that. Yeah, absolutely. many trophies and just medals and stuff oh Ooh, so nice. my uh it doesn't even fit in the, the screen the whole way <laughs> oh, you're um, good. so my <laughs> my teammate in 2018 kevin von carber and i uh we 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 trade this trophy back and forth every like two years we, we make a point to spend a weekend together and uh and hang out and tell old stories and hand this trophy back and forth because uh, we're the only two people from the United States to go over in 2018. And we both won our weight categories, which means that even though there was only two of us as a team, as Team USA, we still placed third overall in the medal count. Uh, so this is the third place trophy <laughs> awesome. from the world championships for the United States, which is bigger than either of our individual <laughs> trophies or medals. About to say, uh, if that's the third place. I'd like to see what the the first place trophy. Wild, looks like. yeah. It's like it's like it's like the size of me. It's like you know, it's like <laughs> high, six feet tall. It's it's crazy. 
Uh, Matt, we, we appreciate you joining us tonight. Uh, really just fascinating, insightful stuff that I certainly didn't know about. And hopefully our audience learns a little bit about, uh, let everyone know where they, where they can find you at on social media or streaming platforms or anywhere. Yeah. You already got my, my Twitter up there. So it's just my name, Matt Thomas with an underscore after it. And then everything else, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube is moving with Matt M O V I N G with W I H T and then Matt M A T T. So, uh, yeah, I stream, if not every day, every other day, uh, I'm doing mostly health and wellness content, chest boxing kind of workouts, uh, yoga, the fitness concept called fight and flow that does basic martial art movements combined with yoga. So if you want free fitness, if you want some mindfulness, if you want to learn more about chess boxing, twitch.tv backslash moving with Matt would be the place to go. Nice. We'll make sure to put the links in the description below for everybody who watches this. Cool. Yeah. The, the fight and flow, the brawl, uh, brawl for a cause, which I'm glad you provided more insight for because I was reading about that and that is uh, very interesting stuff and, and a good cause as well. So it's, it's really cool. That Do you, you have a date for a future for the for next for next event? Yeah, we have multiple dates reserved in Atlanta in late April and uh, to mid May. Um, well, and I I think we can go ahead and say what the venue is going to be because it's very unlikely we go with any other venue at this point. But the new uh, overtime league in Atlantic Station, the basketball coliseum with 1,200 seats uh, plus whatever we can fit on the court with VIP tables. It's going to be an awesome venue. So we're, we're looking at Atlantic Station in late spring. Okay. Nice. My brother's been trying to get I, – I, I've never competed. My brother's been trying to get me on one of these things. I've, I've, I've been thinking about it. I need to get in better shape. But uh, oh, This might but be the year. This might be the year. <laughs> April, there's there's time. for If, if it's April, there, there's time. I could do a little like three- to four-month training camp and get ready. Um, so, yeah, yeah, pre- appreciate you, Matt. We, we, uh, my, my brother's been wanting to link me up with you for a while, so I'm really glad that uh, we were able to do this, man. Well, shout out to your brother, Boxing ATL. He's a great coach. If you were going to take on that challenge, I think you'd have a great guy in your corner. And uh, and yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on and, and sharing your platform with me. Thank, thank you again, Matt. We really appreciate it. Guys, uh, thank you for tuning in. And we'll be right back here on The Spotlight. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.